When you see your first set of thyroid panel test results, you may feel like you're trying to solve a century-old mystery. In this podcast episode, we'll discuss standard versus optimal reference ranges and steps you can take to achieve optimal thyroid levels. Hello, thank you for listening to Thyroid Hair Loss Connection Podcast, a science-based, honest, candid conversation about how your thyroid affects your hair. You will learn practical solutions to hair growth, healing your thyroid, and balancing hormones with holistic nutrition approach and the latest treatments. Your hosts, me, Natalia Sanzo, a registered dietitian, aka Nashville Thyroid Expert, and Kimberly Vaughn, a board-certified trichologist, hair loss specialist, and coach. To stay up to date on the latest topics, make sure to subscribe to our channel. We also cannot do this without you. Send us a question to the link below and tune in each week for the answers. Now, let's head to the show. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining Thyroid Hair Loss Connection podcast. Kimberly and I... We'll be talking about optimal versus standard thyroid levels, because this is a big one. One question I most frequently ask is, what are the most important thyroid tests to check to assess your thyroid function? This, along with what the thyroid test result mean, are two of the most important topics to understand to determine if you truly have thyroid dysfunction or not, and how well your thyroid hormone replacement medication is working. So, Kimberly, let's jump into talking about thyroid ranges. I think it's always important to distinguish between normal and optimal. When we think about testing, it's not an automatic process for us, right? It comes down to who is reading and analyzing your test result. So, normal ranges classify your thyroid as normal, and does not always mean that your health is where it needs to be, right? It just means that it is uh, meeting the expectations of our conventional medicine. And that says mm. a lot, right? Oh, um, boy, does that ever. I mean, we're, I think we're all frustrated with how conventional medicine is handling treating hypothyroidism Hashimoto's. And, you know, sorry to interject, Natalia, because you're making so many great points, but there was just a client in um, this past week and on her thyroid test, there were not even levels, uh, ranges that were listed on the particular lab test that she had received. So it's just so confusing for the consumer. So they tested their her thyroid levels, mm-hmm. but did and not. They gave report? her levels. They gave her her levels, but they did not list the range oh. that that particular Clea lab uses. Okay, that's interesting. So, and, I know, but I also kind of along with what you're saying, I have clients that come to me and they say, "Oh, my thyroid lab is is normal," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Uh-uh, no, I need to see those numbers." I need to compare them to optimal ranges, which let's talk about optimal ranges, right? I define what normal ranges mean, but now optimal thyroid levels, on the other hand, are considered when treating and managing your thyroid disease. So normal ranges, they're just classification of 
are, are you okay? Are you, where are you heading, right? But optimal ranges, we use them uh, when we're treating and managing thyroid condition. We should be aiming for those optimal ranges. Um, they're condition specific and they give you a target range to aim for. So let's continue with this in mind. Kimberly, since you have Hashimoto's and you know, even if your doctor does order a complete thyroid function test panel, they're usually relying on normal thyroid tests, right? Or like you, the example you gave us, uh, not reporting even ranges. Um, so in those, if they report the ranges, they're so broad and often inaccurate. When lab reference ranges for healthy thyroid were created, it was later discovered that people who already had thyroid dysfunction were included in those ranges. I mean, how crazy is this? Because of this, in 2003, the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists recommended that the lab reference ranges for thyroid test results become more narrow. Yet still today, most doctors that we, we know, um, and all over the country, actually all over the world, and laboratories have not updated their practices for optimal thyroid levels. This is just wild to me. You know, and in my practice, I find, um, or I found that the ranges below are where my patients and myself thrive, not just live. So let's talk about what, what are those ranges? What, what, should be, what should we be aiming for? Many functional medicine clinicians agree that the most optimal thyroid levels are as follows. TSH levels should be somewhere between 0.5 and 1.5. Now, it's important to know for those of you who are taking armor or any compounded T3 medication, those medication can artificially suppress TSH. So if your TSH is 0.3, don't be alarmed. It is, it's probably artificially suppressed, or even if it's not, it's still uh, a good number to be in unless you're experiencing hyperthyroidism symptoms. So don't just chase the optimal numbers. Look at your symptoms and then adjust accordingly. Now, moving on to free T4 levels, they need to be above 1.1. Free T3 levels, which one of the most important hormones because that's the most active thyroid hormone. Uh, those levels need to be above 3.2. Next one is reverse T3 levels. Uh, we're aiming for them to be below 10. And finally, TPO NTG antibodies levels, we're looking for below four or zero. Natalia, now that we know the difference between normal and optimal thyroid levels, which you've done such a great job explaining and giving us specifics on those, how will, how, how can I know, how will the listeners know ways to truly optimize these levels and how can we achieve that? Absolutely, Kimberly. There are actually two ways to achieve optimal thyroid levels. The first step is, of course, taking your thyroid medication like levothyroxine to normalize your thyroid hormone levels. Achieving optimal thyroid hormone levels with medication can eliminate thyroid symptoms like constipation, poor mood, weight gain, fatigue, hair loss. Yes, I was going to say, of course, <laughs> hair loss and brain fog. 
However, if your symptoms continue after you optimize your thyroid hormone levels with medication, we need to dig deeper. Lingering symptoms despite adequate thyroid hormone medication generally signal underlying gut condition, which have symptoms that are very similar to hypothyroidism. So Natalia, wait a second. Now you bring in the gut health. So what does the gut health have to do with these optimal levels? Kimberly, that's a very good question. And we recorded quite a few episodes talking gut uh, thyroid connection, but um, I just wanted to give our listeners just in two sentences, the connection to explain the connection between gut and thyroid. Since microbiome dysbiosis is common in people with Hashimoto's, this imbalance of bad and good bacteria can influence the availability of essential micronutrients for the thyroid gland and the conversion of T4 to T3 hormone. You know, that's important. And you have to remember that about 20% of your thyroid hormone conversion uh, from T4 to T3 takes place in your gut. And it is it is the job of your healthy gut flora to make sure you get the amount of T3 you need. And you know, that's one of the most important active thyroid hormone. And improving your gut health can help, uh, help resolve stubborn symptoms that may not be caused by your thyroid, reduce thyroid inflammation, lower thyroid antibodies, increase like we talked about T3 levels, and improve absorption of thyroid hormone medication. Okay, Natalia, now I'm really thinking I have my notepad out here. So now I know that when my levels are off with my thyroid, that my gut is playing a really key role in this. But how do I know if truly my gut is the issue? How do I test for that or, or how, do I, how do I determine that? Yes, Kimberly, I always say test, don't guess, right? And in my practice, I use a GI map stool test. This test analyzes the levels of good and bad bacteria, parasites, viruses, worms, fungi, immune and digestive markers in your gut. You can learn more about this test by visiting my website, allpurposenutrition.com, which is listed in the notes section under this episode. Now, Kimberly, let's switch gears and talk about the most important nutrients for Hashimoto's and foods that can help you replenish those low levels. Oh, that would be great because I'm getting ready to head to the grocery store <laughs> right after we're finished. Absolutely. Now, let's, let's remember that most people with Hashimoto's have numerous micronutrient deficiencies. For example, thyroid hormones are essential for the absorption of zinc. And when we have hypothyroidism, it can result in uh, acquired zinc deficiency. So you can see one thing leads to another. We can, um, we can have hypothyroid or vitamin deficiencies can cause hypothyroidism and hypothyroidism can lead to vitamin deficiencies. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-way street. Right. So first, 
nutrient that I want to talk about is selenium. Selenium is a mineral needed for thyroid hormone production. It helps protect the thyroid from damage caused by oxidative, oxidative stress. But it, it is also very important for our hair health, right, Kimberly? Oh, extremely. And this is the reason that you and I both believe um, that it's so important to have those levels tested um, that you just can't guess. Because certainly, as we've discussed before, but I think it's really important for the audience, the listeners to understand is that, you know, levels too high or levels too low are both uh, catastrophic to the hair growth. Absolutely. Yes. So tests don't guess. Mm -hmm. There are so many delicious foods that are naturally high in selenium that can keep your levels optimal. Those include Brazil nuts. That's number one. Fish, pork, beef, turkey, chicken, eggs, mushrooms, oatmeal. I mean, I can go on and on. So if you're following a diet rich in whole foods, you should should be able to keep your levels uh, normal, but always, you know, always test, don't guess. Um, so, uh, you know, I said I was going to the store. So mm-hmm. can I purchase halibut and salmon? And are they both going to be as beneficial? You know, I always remember the salmon and omegas, right? So it, does it matter what type of fish? It really doesn't. Of course, the selen- levels of selenium varies from mm. food to food, including fish to fish. But they're not—it's—they're not big enough for you to worry about. Don't pick a, f- for example, halibut over salmon because it has higher selenium. Okay. Okay. Don't, great. Don't micromanage your <coughs> micronutrients. Ah, I like that. Next one I want to talk about is zinc. Zinc is very important for gut health, immune function, tissue healing, the conversion of T4 to T3, and the production of TSH. Foods that are high in zinc include meat, seafood, legumes, seeds, nuts, dairy, and my favorite, chocolate. Okay, next one is magnesium. Magnesium is necessary for more than 300 biochemicals reaction in the body, right? It supports the immune system, maintains normal nerve and muscle function. It regulates our heartbeats, uh, strengthens our bones, keep, uh, keeps blood sugar levels st- steady, and play a role in the production of energy. Rich sources of magnesium are greens, nuts, seeds, beans, whole grains, even gluten-free, wheat germs, and oat bran. Next one is thiamine. That's our vitamin B1. That vitamin converts carbs into energy. It aids protein and fat digestion. It is, it is needed for the release of hydrochloric acid in the stomach, which is crucial for someone with Hashimoto's. Foods that are high in thiamine includes fortified breakfast cereals. And, you know, my favorite brand, uh, brand is Three Wishes. You guys can check it out. They sell on Amazon and Whole Foods and a lot of uh, different stores. Um, then pork is is uh, rich in thiamine. Fish, again, our beans, our lentils, and yogurt. So guys, you see that the as I'm naming all those foods, they're just normal whole foods. So you don't have to memorize the list and, and look for, oh, let me see what foods are high in B1 and magnesium and zinc. 
Just eat a variety of food, of whole foods, and you should be fine. Now, next one is iodine. This one is a controversial topic with regards to thyroid health. We need to understand that iodine is critical for thyroid function. In fact, currently, the only known role of iodine is to support thyroid function or thyroid hormone production. The T3 and T4 hormones, um, they contain iodine and iodine deficiency can cause thyroid disease, right? So we know that. Having said that, when you have Hashimoto's and your thyroid is not producing hormones, do you really need iodine for the production of thyroid hormones, right? Because we're taking a pill that already has those hormones. So that is why I don't recommend you supplement with iodine. But at the same time, you should not be avoiding foods that are good sources of iodine, like seafood, oysters, beef liver, eggs. Enjoy them in moderation because they have other vitamins and minerals that are essential for thyroid function. And finally, the last mineral I want to talk about is iron. The thyroid needs iron to convert T4 into T3, the active form of thyroid hormone, right? Iron deficiency is associated with thyroid dysfunction. Foods that are high in iron include red meat, pork, poultry. Again, our seafood, beans, leafy greens, spinach, iron-fortified cereals, bread, pastas, and peas. Again, you see the common theme. Our normal foods, our proteins, seafood, right, beans, those are all foods that, are, that have uh, vitamins and minerals that our thyroid needs. Kimberly, of course, the, there are other nutrients that are important for thyroid function, and they include B vitamins, vitamin A and E, which are also needed for optimal thyroid functions and hair growth. Being deficient in one or more nutrients can negatively affect thyroid health and increase your risk for thyroid disease. Wow, Natalia, you have given us so many great tips today. And optimal levels are so important. But more than anything, you really went um, above and beyond on diving into these trace metals and minerals and supplements that we can consider eating in whole foods, which are so important. So um, I know this episode has been extremely helpful for many of our listeners. And, you know, we talked about... um, Again, the standard versus optimal, but I think the most important thing is knowing that, um, especially even with iodine, which is certainly something I, my major takeaway is that um, instead of thinking of a supplementation, let's just be very deliberate in our diet and make sure that we are really focused on, you know, um, the, the common theme of Natalia's message today is making sure that we're including those nuts, those fishes, uh, the grains, the yogurts, the eggs. And, you know, in my world anyway, they all fit in uh, as long as they're gluten-free. So that's good. But, um, you know, as always, we're just, we're happy you're here. We thank you so much for being a part of the Thyroid Hair Loss Connection community. Uh, we want you to know that there will be information um, below the um, the episode with additional notes from Natalia. And we want you to make it a great day. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <music>